Hello and welcome to Breadcrumbs, the podcast from WorkSync, focused on the latest, most cutting-edge trends in HCM, HR, and workforce management. We offer you breadcrumbs so you can build your own path in this ever-evolving world of work. I'm your host, Kim Payne, and today we're joined by Jason from WorkSync. Welcome, Jason. Thank you. Glad to be here. So today we are discussing attaining and retaining talent. We all know that it's hard to find workers right now. Can you give us a quick recap of the situation? Yeah, absolutely. First, virtually all of the staffing friction and shortage for aging services, part of a larger deskless worker segment. Okay, so what is a deskless worker? That's a good question, because you know, it's, it's even though they represent 72% of the market, they're really underserved by the HCM and workforce management providers. So this is these are industries like restaurants, healthcare, hospitality, manufacturing, transportation, employees that do their work away from a desk or a computer. And furthermore, the HCM workforce management providers, largely their focus has not been designed around the deskless worker. And that would of course include the care providers in long-term care. So tell me a little bit more about long-term care. So senior care organizations carry some of the highest rates, turnover rates in the country. Nursing aides can be as high as 100% turnover. And this produces recruiting challenges and positions unfilled, uh, not to mention some of the lowest rates of job satisfaction. In some cases, now other facilities have off the charts job satisfaction. This disparity has inspired a focused research on lessons learned and architecting practical prescriptions that have tangible results. I think it's worth noting that unlike quick service or fast food industry, where the risk is a customer missing a regrettable meal, we're talking about our most fragile members of society, lacking the quality care required to carry out a meaningful life. Thus, we will be prioritizing the variable direct care worker. Naturally, these tactics, strategies, prescriptions are designed to improve all of your non-exempt positions. Part of the trends here as well is we have to face the reality that not every worker is equipped with the skills or the passion to show up every day and, and serve the aging community. Turnover is costly, but perhaps worth it if you're weeding out underperformers. So to recap, turnover creates recruiting challenges, overtime costs, toxic culture, and decimates profitability. So your listeners, by the end of this uh, episode one, will learn um, the prescriptions for turnover, and I'll be supplying three tangible, pragmatic tactics for, your, uh, for everyone uh, to be able to take back and implement uh, almost immediately. Well, that's great. So let's get started. Um, so what do you think are some of the reasons that good workers leave? So uh, that's that's a great question. If they're a good worker, maybe they even have high j- job satisfaction at, some, at one time, or they really have a passion for the aging community. Well, part of it is they, they're stuck with terrible resident or patient ratios. If we take the third shift or evening or night shift as an example, often the ratio will be 15, so 15 residents or patients to one caretaker. And that's okay. A lot of times they're sleeping and maybe there's some meds and the like. But what if one of those people don't show up? What if one of your workers just calls in or doesn't call in at all? Now your good worker is stuck with a 30 to one ratio. 30 is way too many and they get overwhelmed they can't do a good job. The patients are underserved. They're overworked. They're going to go somewhere where they believe that the facility's behind them and giving them the right tools, which is including the appropriate labor coverage to tend to the, to the residents that they care so much about. 
Right. So it sounds like employers are trying. Um, <laughs> Some are trying, yes. Yeah. Being very creative. Are, is there anything more that employers can be doing to combat the situation? So there's a lot, there's a lot of creative, you know, gold star for creativity. And I think in some cases it's, it's working, um, but I question its sustainability. Is it affordable? Is it on brand, some of these tactics that are currently being used? Is it on brand for a healthcare facility? I mean, all across the country, we've talked to executive directors, HR professionals, facility managers, nursing directors, um, are getting fairly creative, even if they're having to hold their nose. So a couple of things that they're doing. They're increasing hourly rates, okay? And they're advertising that. Signing bonuses, show up bonuses. If you can believe it, you're hired, you're scheduled. If you show up, we will pay you a bonus. Uh, there is a facility in Arkansas that is offering $100 just fill out an application. A group from Missouri is paying a $100 bonus every week you work all of your shifts. Sometimes a thousand to 5,000 signing bonus. It seems desperate. Right, and temporary. And, and very temporary. So do you see any more sustainable or longer term practices? Yes, um, there's there's a couple of good ones that people have seemed to have been uh, gravitating towards. So your the benefit package should include paying for certification and licensing programs, even paying off college debt. Work half a year, get a half a year college debt paid. And those are working as much as bribes and money can work, which unfortunately has proven to be quick fixes. Um, another issue, uh, besides the instability of a sustainability of buying your way out of this problem is brand. Let's face it. These are healthcare facilities with arguably the toughest, most important job in our society. And we've, we're giving away free car washes and 20 foot air dancing gumbies to entice people to who happen to be driving by. That should tell you how desperate our facilities are to solve this issue. And uh, I'd ask you to stick around if you want to hear some yeah. alternative. Yeah, it, employees, employers sound desperate, um, but I don't think that means you're suggesting they should hire anyone. Um, what, what are some qualities do you think employers should be looking for when seeking those workers? So first is tenure, job hoppers hop. Really focus on lateral job hopping. So from one entry level to another, and they're just not satisfied and maybe creating a toxic environment themselves. That's different than if someone is moving their way through the ranks, adding licenses and, and credentials. And now you you could be that next move up for them. Keep in mind that when you dig into the so-called great resignation that's hit the U.S. job market, it's closer to the great promotion. And as much or more to do with the workers looking for work that optimizes what they do, their skills and complementing their life, work-life balance. And I intend to unpack and, uh, that concept into practical steps that improve both business, residents, and employees. Okay, so we have set up the problem. So let's get into some of the solutions. What are some strategies for attaining talent? So back to the qualities of the worker. Remember, this can be a move up for an entry-level worker. And they have a proven tenure or have a history of moving up. That's fantastic but only if you help them continue on that path. Don't let them stagnate. Encourage more licensing, certifications, and of course, compensate appropriately. Though not one of our three prescriptions, I do believe paying folks for licensing, accreditation, certifications, nursing school, et cetera, is a good return on investment. You get trained folks and you guarantee tenure. Is there anything else? 
Yeah, before we, before we move on, um, another attribute is confirming that their availability addresses your top shift requirements or your current coverage and labor gaps. You know, think about what good does it do to have the best candidate in front of you with the great work experience, all the qualifications, but they can't work on Wednesday and Sunday nights, which is when you've had your largest labor gaps. Um, that reminds me, you, it goes without saying that your electronic health record system should really be informing your schedule calculations. Yes. Any position really that's responsible for delivering on a care plan. Okay. So encourage more licensing and certification and pay if possible. Confirm availability against your current coverage yes. and gaps. Okay. So now let's take a look at retaining talent. All right. Yeah. So employee engagement is good. It's a good place to start, but someone somewhat difficult for us to define and to measure, to know what's working and what's not. In order to avoid that engagement being confused with entertainment, you know, the bagels and taco, taco, Tuesday. <laughs> taco Tuesdays, bingo. You know, these are great activities for our <laughs> residents. We don't need to confuse matters with our, our workers. Um, we should focus on the intersection. In my opinion, we should focus on the intersection of empowerment and engagement. So for example, empowerment, those are staffing opportunities that meet the skills and availability of the worker. Like the previous example. Yeah, I, I, I love to work Wednesday and Sunday nights and I have the skills to do so. Great. Um, an example of engagement would be constant feedback about performance, earnings, uh, open shifts, licensing, certifications, education opportunities, and last but certainly not least, how the work they do impacts not only the facility, but the resident's quality of life. If this is not a purposeful job, if they don't find purpose and meaning in this job, it's going to be tough. You're going to have 10 year issues no matter what. Yeah, because it's not necessarily what they want to be doing. It's not the highest paying position. No. Let's 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 you be have clear. to have some passion around. Right. And if you and you're doing you're serving them incorrectly, if you're not illustrating how the work that they do directly impacts their quality of life, you're, you're missing a huge opportunity. Okay. Well, tell me a little bit about technology. How does collaboration and new tech like smartphones, yeah. new old tech factor into empowerment? So, and this is the case with a lot of, I mean, just deskless worker in general, the smartphone and the collab tech sound really good. And it can be, I kind of view it as a double-edged sword though. Uh, you have a built-in platform for engagement notifications. You know, those little red circles that say, Hey, you might need, you know, you might need to be aware of this, uh, that can identify workers that of a slip and fall or of, of emergency situations. Collaborate, you know, collaborating together to address, you know, high or significant emergencies. But this is also where TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, email, text from kids and other distractions right. not associated with resident care. This has led most facilities, I shouldn't say most, many facilities uh, to, you, you put this in your locker, your cubby, it's not allowed to be on during work hours. I think there are the, the, the advantages outweigh the disadvantages. Just make sure you have a good smartphone policy um, that and make sure it checks out with your compliance uh, experts. Yeah, so to just run that down, don't get empowerment confused with entertainment. Fully engage the staff with care plans and strategies for their residents, keeping them engaged. Use smartphones, but 
be careful to, to put a policy around that mm -hmm. and you know reduce turnover <laughs> no easy task but yeah, easy <laughs> well and, and it's important to know that the, the way that the good facilities the ones that are providing ample coverage the way that they're doing this is pretty expensive they just simply over schedule and over staff over hire uh, that can equate to over budgeting or it can, or it has a result of, well, you just send the people that you don't need home. That's becoming a compliance issue in some places. In Chicago, you can't do that for any, any industry. And in the Northwest and West Coast, it's starting to become more and more popular. Uh, it's referred to as fair scheduling laws, which makes sense. Schedule somebody, they work their, they design their whole life around the work schedule, and then they show up and say, no, no, thank you. And it's okay to send them home as long as you pay them. It sort of defeats the purpose. Yeah. You can Google those, those laws. Um, but they're becoming more and more prevalent across the country. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we've gone through some strategies for attaining, some strategies for retaining. Mm -hmm. If we had to pick the headlines, what are those three practical things that you think so, we can implement right now? Yeah. The three most practical things that I think will give you the best return on investment uh, as we've been kind of dancing around these solutions. So first of all, uh, on-demand pay, it has a lot of different names, pay on demand, Earn wage advance. We call it WorkSync Wallet, and it, which is a little bit different than the uh, Earn Wage Advance programs out there. Uh, many of them are doing a, a great job and having great tr traction. It's better than nothing in, in senior care. EWA is certainly improving on the predatory financial products like payday loans, but often it creates additional burdens on the payroll office, and it still costs two to five dollars to get a little bit of your wages ahead of time. Now, I think you want something where the employee can access their daily wages on punch out every day at no cost to the employee and no administrative work or cost to the employer. So this strategy addresses both the engagement, pay every day, and empowerment over their wages. And, and it makes them think twice about leaving after a bad day because it might be three to four weeks for their next paycheck in a traditional manner. Right. Uh, have you heard of any clients utilizing this in a positive way? Yes. Now, people are using this as a recruiting tool. Um, get an interview today, get paid today. And there was a story out of a facility in Florida that came across my desk recently uh, where this, uh, this, this woman who was, saw about a job, really low on funds, even low on gas, used her last bit of gas to get to the interview. She gets hired on the day of the interview and goes to work. As soon as she punches out, she gets paid and then she's able to fill up her tank and even buy groceries for her family. Hearing that story was really quite powerful and just shows the types of things that we need to do to help this industry and these workers. So what other strategies, what other headlines do you want everyone to take away? Yeah, so that's one. Let's, uh, the second one is advertise, notify, and automate your open schedules. Assuming that your electronic health record system, uh, like a point-click care or matrix care, is informing your scheduling system, by the way, it should, uh, you want to make sure you're pushing those open shifts in combination with the punch-to-pay policy creates a more tangible communication. Now, instead of, oh, the work needs someone to come in again on this particular time, it's like, work has more money for me. Uh, everyone wins here. You're getting your shifts with your existing W-2s, and, uh, and they're getting extra money. Now I will say it, it's also uh, tied into this. If you've exhausted all of your W-2 employees to extend your candidate list, 
to your agencies uh, that, that work that can provide on-demand qualified personnel. Uh, I would say a W-2 employee for agency is preferred over 1099 uh, for various compliance and PBJ reasons. Uh, but that's really make sure that you're pushing out those open shifts. Yeah, well, what about trades? Well, this is where that, now this is the, the good edge of the sort of the, of the mobile and collaboration. You know, when you, you won't believe, you'll be very surprised, I should say, if you push the problem back to the employees, they're very creative at taking care of this. And so instead of saying, hey, I'm not, I can't, I'm not available on Saturday, scheduling some staffing coordinator, you figure it out. Well, no, 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 you figure it out. So there's a lot of great apps today, collaboration apps, where employees can trade with one another uh, in bargain, say, hey, I, I can work Wednesday, I can't work Saturday, and they can figure this all out. And of course, your, your management can approve these transactions. But yeah, that's really best case scenario. Yeah, and then they're responsible and um, really involved, empowered. Powered and engaged, engaged. right? <laughs> <laughs> You're, it, it's the perfect prescription for an empowered, engaged workforce. So that just leaves us with our third one, and that is the money. Now, uh, and, and I, my preference and. and I think what would work works the best when you're going to give bonuses instead of giving bonuses for them filling out an application or showing up every week how about an attendance bonus that's at the end of the calendar year by lowering your turnover and our benchmarking suggests that if you take these best practices you should be able to see a 30 percent it's not a magic bullet but you should be able to see you should be able to lower your turnover rate by 30 percent that's ten thousand dollars conservatively for every separation so with, with this extra cash on hand, why don't you spread it around to the folks that have earned it for you? The people that are not, that are not only there, still with you at the calendar year, but have performed at a consistent level for the entire year. These attendance bonuses would range between $500 and 5,000. Depends on how long they were there. Were they there for the whole year or they hired in November? So we have a full calculator and an analysis system that can help you executing on this policy. And just keep in mind, for those people that have been with you and have had a great attendance record and great performance all year, and now they're going to get a significant cash bonus at the end of the year when a lot of families can use it the most. Simple. Doable. It's doable. <laughs> so things to think about. Helping your workers get paid every day. Empowering them to take control of uh, their scheduling by advertising open shifts and then giving them bonus for being there and being quality workers. Sounds like those are good starts to thinking about solving this very difficult problem. Mm -hmm. So thank you for offering that advice. Is there anything, um, any, anything that you can offer, any research or consultations that we want, would wanna look at to just further investigate this topic? So we, we have WorkSync uh, consultants and experts the, that can help design these programs, tailor them for you, uh, make sure that you have the technology in place um, and even uh, help you with some of the policy and, uh, and track the results. Yeah, and then you can hear even more about how Jason plans to solve all of these problems for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll link all of these documents and you know Jason's information in our show description, but thank you so much for joining us. It was a great first episode. Stick around for more breadcrumbs moving forward. And thanks to everyone for listening. We appreciate it. Thanks, Jason. Awesome. Great. Thank you.